into sort of good numbers because I'm going to ask you a question in a minute. Okay, you'll need to get a seat as well, Ruth. Martin, you can sit down. Georgi, you can sit down. Sue, you can sit down. But every one of you move into one of these groups. That'd be great. Okay. I, I just want to, um, in a sense, recap from um, what God was saying to us over the last couple of weeks. We um, played a clip last week of Todd Dwight. Um, where he was um, seeing some amazing miracle in a young boy who got healed of being visually impaired. He was um, diagnosed as uh, clinically blind, but God touched his life, and this young boy began to see again. And then from that point, we see that God started to touch the family members and eventually they went on a shopping spree and their, Todd White brought them all sorts of different clothes. And it was just great to see what God was doing in practical ways. God touched somebody practically. He gave sight to the boy. But then from that, the sons got saved. His brothers got saved. You know, his father got saved. His mum got saved. And it was amazing to see the testimony, wasn't it? But the previous week, we just talked a little bit about not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to very quickly recap on some of the things um, that we said. And we talked about um, betrayal. And we talked about some of the things, the words that we can, uh, and I, I wrote quite a lot of things down that I actually didn't um, read out that, that week. But it says, be disloyal to. Be unfaithful. This is the word betrayal. Breaks faith with somebody. Play someone false. Fail somebody. Let somebody down. Double cross somebody. Deceive somebody. Cheat somebody. Inform on somebody. Denounce somebody. Sell out stab someone in the back. That's all from that word betrayal. And then there was this um, thing called not ashamed. It's about standing together and speaking up for the value of a Christian framework and the place of Jesus Christ in the face of apathy, attack and uncertainty about the Christian message. Now, there's actually a film called Not Ashamed, and it's based on a true story of a young lady in the America who, um, it was one of these Columbine massacre where somebody came into the school and started shooting up the school. And this lady, this girl, this film about, it's called Not Ashamed because she actually stood up for her faith in that particular situation. And one of the things that we really believe God is saying to us as a church and I believe to the city of London is that we can't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't be ashamed what it says in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to believe what he says in that. And then we talked about Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel 
because it is the power of God that brings salvation to anyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, so do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, the prisoner. Instead, join in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For this reason, even though I suffer as I do, I am not ashamed. For I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for the day. Then Mark chapter 8, verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to the Father's glory with his holy angels. Obviously a warning to us of not being ashamed. Then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, it says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And then I look, quickly looked at the word ashamed, and it, said, it says embarrassed or guilty because of one's actions, characteristics, or associations. And it goes on to say reluctance, reluctant to do something through fear, fear of embarrassment or humili humiliation. And again, I really believe that God was challenging us not to be ashamed of our faith in Jesus Christ. And then we talked very quickly about being a, a witness uh, and that there's not to be, that God doesn't want us to be a false witness, but he wants us to be a true witness. A witness is a person giving first-hand evidence of what they have seen and heard. God doesn't want us to be speaking anything false, but God wants us to be a true witness, an eyewitness account of what God is doing in my life, your life, in the church, in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, what do I want you to do in your groups? One of the things that God said to me about um, eight, nine days ago, and Georgi and Alan um, were there at the time when I started to uh, really get hold of something that I believe God was wanting to say to us. And I want you to discuss in your group what you believe it looks like for, the, for to be a Christian. What should a Christian look like? If somebody knew you for three to six months, what is the evidence that as a believer in Jesus Christ, what should that look like? That's got to look like something. That can't just be something, oh, we just live for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years of our life, and nobody knows that we believe in Jesus Christ. As a Christian, it should look like something. When you, um, if you believe in uh, Muhammad, if you're a, a Muslim, then sometimes you wear a beard, sometimes you wear clothing, you're external. If you're a Sikh, sometimes you have a turban on you. If you're a Hare Krishna, you wear a lovely bright fruit, orange thing. If you're a Salvation, you're a member of a Salvation Army Church, then you will wear a uniform. Maybe we should all have uniforms now. But what should 
a Christian look like? And I want you to have a little discussion for five minutes, and then I'm going to ask the guys that I've named, Georgi, Martin, Sue, and Ruth, to come forward and just say what you believe a Christian should look like in the world that you are living in. Whether it's your street, whether it's your workplace, whether it's college, university, whether you're, you know, teaching music or, or engineering, whatever, your look, whatever sphere of influence you have, what should a Christian look like in that place? <coughs> so please discuss. Five minutes. Yeah, well, obviously a lot of these are going to be the same, aren't they? Um, uh, we were speaking about somebody who would be honest, um, peaceful, happy, truthful, joyful, um, somebody who abounds in love. Um, so I guess, yes, it's fruit of the Spirit again, isn't it? And then um, uh, we would hope to be people with different priorities, uh, and the people who know the Word of God, the Bible. Um, oh, <laughs> this is a good one, actually. Uh, if, some, if someone who knows you, uh, would they be surprised to see you here in church if they came in, if they suddenly came in? Um someone who would who would people would turn to in a crisis um uh there should be some evidence of the power of god in our lives if we pray for people um see them healed uh not worried about financial issues because we trust in the lord to provide uh known by our speech and not using the wrong sort of words swear at swearing we could just stop there, couldn't we, and say, well, we've got all of those. But um, I think we started by saying it would be changed the way you look, act, and treat people, which obviously encompasses all those things. Um, just uh, the words you speak, not the swearing bit, but actually speaking positively um, in, in all situations. Um, a confidence in who you are. Um, so it was hard for somebody to describe that. So not, not, not being arrogant, but just that quiet, peaceful assurance in, in, in who you are, because that's what obviously what comes with knowing Jesus. Um, integrity, um, all went covered all the fruits of the Spirit as well, um, and, and speaking about Jesus in everyday life. And um, certain member says being perfect, so we'll have to try and be perfect right then. <laughs> So we had, um, again, all those positive things, fruit of the Spirit and that sort of thing. Um, but also that we'd be um, hanging around with those that were, were rejected in society or the kind of outcasts um, and that those people would find in us a safe place rather than a place of judgment, that they would be drawn to us um, and um, that we'd be stable um, for, for people. Um, people would be jealous of us. People will obviously see G Jesus in us, but also there'll be, 
we had lots and lots of positive things, but right at the end we started thinking about, okay, all these things are very positive, but actually there should also be something about us where people are convicted um, and that we, um, uh, you know, we, we are an offence as well. So we were just starting to get into that discussion, um, but essentially all our main things are very much the positive things <laughs> as well. That's great, thank you. One of the reasons why um, I asked you to do that, because God asked me that question, um, uh, as I say, a couple of weeks ago. It says, Jonathan, the image of my church needs to be a true reflection of who I am. I'll say that again. Jonathan, he, he was addressing to me at the time, and he says, the image of my church needs to be a true reflection of who I am. And I believe that in this day, the church in this country, and we've got some good friends from France in Dijon. It's good to see Jeremy and Esther here today. Um, he's a pastor of a church, assistant pastor of a church in uh, Dijon, uh, where Amy spent 18 months. Uh, we love these guys. Uh, they're a great church um, in Dijon, and uh, you're very welcome. But, you know, in France, in this country, across Europe, I believe that the church um, has a great opportunity. And that great opportunity is to reflect the nature of Jesus Christ in a world, in a time where there is a, such a mixture of different thinkings and processes in our minds um, the way that we think religion, the way we actually treat the Bible, all of these things um, are coming against the church at this time. Uh, different streams are saying different things, and even in London we get people who um, are very uh, key spiritual leaders in our city who are saying that you do not have to believe in the Word of God anymore. Uh, the world of word of God is just some um, documents that have been just thrown together. And especially the Old Testament is not something that you have to believe in. And you just have to take it just little bits and pieces and take the essence of what it says. But you don't have to take the detail of what it says. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. The Old Testament comes through the New Testament. But you see, this is what's happening in our church. And that's why God, I believe, is saying to the church, I want my people to look like me. I want my church to reflect who I am in the way that we meet together on a Sunday, but in your world and my world. Wherever we go as God's children whether it's in Dijon, whether it's in London, whether it's in, you know, Timbuktu. What God wants is his children to reflect whose family they belong to. And that's why all of those things are relevant. You know, I, I, in my list, I said love for others. That's got to be quite a high profile. But also that people know that there is a real desire and a passion for God. You know, that they are aware that you are going to church. They know that you um, have a high priority of Christ in your life. Acceptance of others, no matter what color, creed, what they believe. I, I believe at some point in this church that we're going to have possibly two people who 
um, are attracted to the same sex. So we might have two guys coming in holding hands at some point or two girls holding hands coming up those stairs. How are we going to treat them? And you see, what I believe is that God wants, it, it's not the sin because I think we've all sinned. So we've got, none of us can point fingers here. We've all fallen short of God's standard in our lives. But in this day and age, in the society we're living, that, I believe, will be happening. I, I told some people that I was in a particular church once and a few years ago, and actually this happened in Kingdom Faith, where there was somebody who was um, definitely a male, but that male was dressed as a female. But you could, even when she was, he was dressed as a female, you could definitely tell it was still a male. And, you know, what are we going to do in situations like that? We have to accept them. We're not saying that we agree with all of the lifestyle, but we need to be able to accept them as people who are before us who needs a touch from a loving God. No matter what that looks like, if somebody comes in, you know, who has had addictions in the past, then for me, one of the things that God wants us to do is to accept them. But you see, that's not just what happens here on a Sunday. God wants us to be an accepting people because I believe that's a mark that God wants to place upon us and upon his church generally, actually, that shows whose family we belong to. We belong to Jesus Christ, and therefore that has to look different. Now, please, I'm not here to sort of say suddenly, like, we've got to wear a huge cross on us, or everything that we were has to have something of a logo about Jesus on it. I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, that people in your world need to know that you believe in something. Listen to this statement. What's the loudest statement in your life? Think about that for the moment. What's the loudest statement in your life? For some people, it will be that they support Man United. For some, it will be, you know, that they, they're a Lakers fan. <laughs> My daughter. But, you know, what is the loudest statement that you make? It may be fashion. That may be your loudest statement. And, uh, and again, please, it's, this is not just a one-off. This is for a period of time. I'm not expecting everybody who you go and, and walk between now and the station to see that you're a believer. But I'm talking about a lifestyle that God is wanting us to have that other people in our world begin to take note Wow. You see, one of the things that happened in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter um, 4 that we read today, uh, Acts 3 or 4, what, one of the things that happened with Peter, Peter got arrested for preaching the gospel. He actually healed somebody and then preached the gospel. That was on the street. Okay? He healed the person at the beautiful gate, saying, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And God did that miracle. 
Peter and John were obedient. God did the miracle. And out of that point, what happened was that a crusade, a mission event took place. And thousands of people got saved. Fantastic. Guess who wasn't happy? The church members, the churchgoers of the time. They weren't happy with this new thing that was happening. And so they brought Peter and John in and they started to talk to them. And then they put Peter out because they didn't know what to do with Peter and John. And so one of the things that these Pharisees were doing was sort of saying, actually, what do we do with them? We can't ask them to, you know, we, we don't want this to happen because they were afraid what would happen to their church or what they looked as the religious system of the day. But one of the things they said, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. I want us, I want the church of Jesus Christ to have a reputation that God's around. And I'm not just talking about the signs and wonders because people were with Jesus. They saw the miracles. But one of the things that I look at Jesus' life, it was the love that compelled people to follow him. It wasn't the signs and wonders. People were seeing Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead. Yet some of those people who were of the crowd looking at some of these events were still saying, crucify him, crucify him on that Good Friday as we know it today. The crowd were fickle. They changed their minds many times. But it was those people who had a genuine relationship with God who had that firm footing. They had their feet on the rock. And therefore, when the wind started to blow, they were absolutely firm in what they believed. And it was love was the key that kept people. I believe that wholeheartedly. And if you look through scripture, people were attracted to Jesus. Jesus was the holy one. He did not do anything wrong, but he was attracted. And therefore, I believe that in our lives, we need to be attractional. People need and want to be around us. One of the things that I do believe that the church needs to, and, and, and I need a dose of this, is joy. And I'm not just talking about laughing around and, and rolling around the aisles and things like that. But I do believe that God wants us to be a joyful people. I believe that anybody in your world needs to see you happy. Not sad and dull and boring, because I don't believe that's what Jesus has given us. Jesus has given us full of fullness of life. And if he's given us fullness of life, then it's got to look like something. That's, that's what we're trying to, in a sense, I believe God's saying. This has got to look like something. Being a believer in the 21st century has to look like something. It's, it's got to be something that's very real. And, and people need to be able to touch you, your life, in your situation. And I heard a preacher recently in sort of saying, when you squeeze an orange, what do you expect? You expect orange juice. <coughs> so when they, people come and rub up against you... And they begin to squeeze you. What is coming out of you? Is it something positive or does it automatically go into negativity? You know, are you always a pessimist? Oh, woe is me. I am when I'm in the car. 
<laughs> Helena will testify to that. Forgive me, Father. <coughs> I need to be an optimist. <laughs> but, you know, it, again, please, this is, I, I want my life to change because I want the reality of God to affect every single facet of my life. Why? Because when that pressure comes, I want the God bit to come out, not the me bit. I don't want the me bit there. I want the God bit. And therefore, you know, the loudest statement in my life is not my amazing clothes sense or my great hairstyle. It's not that. It's because some people see, wow, he's also always joyful. I've never heard him speak negatively about anything apart from Man United. You <laughs> Sorry, you can tell I do not support Man United. Um, but, you know, one of the things, you've you got to, uh, I do, I really believe that we as a church need to have fun and, and, and that's an expression of God in us because we're free. I think we need to remember that um, what God said, that nothing outside a man can contaminate us. It's what's in our minds, it's on our thinking, what's in our heart that can be the negative that actually then can bring us and pull us down. If any one of us has a thought of lust for something, whether it's lust for a, a, a person of the opposite sex or a lust for a greater wealth or, or whatever, that is something that is instilled in us and it's coming from the overflow of who we are. That's the expression. It's not what we see externally. It starts in here. Now, obviously, it does then become through our eyes. You know, you see 84 million on the euro draw and you say, oh, I'd love some of that. I would because just think what you can do for the glory of God for, with that sort of money but again it's not something that you it, it's not something that possesses you because it's not part of us you see something you see oh, okay that's a news clipping that that was going on 84 million euro jaw but it's not affecting you because actually nothing from outside a man affected you I've never gambled in my life I've never bet on horses my dad did but <laughs> But I never bet on horses, or I've never bet on the gambling machines. I've never done any slot machine in my life. Why? Because it's who I was brought up to be. So nothing outside of me contaminated that area of my life. So again, as a believer in Jesus, I'm not talking about the slot machines of life. I'm talking about what we look like and what our loudest statement is or what it needs to become and therefore the mercy the the kindness all that you quoted that being helpful for me um, being helpful being generous is a God trait within the environments that we live and work in one of the things that when I worked in Liverpool and this is many many years ago um, when I had a, a, the job in, in, in a shipping company. Um, people knew that I was a believer, and so therefore, some people would not swear around me. Other people swore more. 
it, it was just one of those things that some people always sort of started to swear and they, oh, I'm sorry, Jonathan, because they knew I was around. And it wasn't that I was going around sort of saying, I'm offended by swearing, putting all of these little post-it notes around me so that everybody else could read. It was just something that people noticed that I did not swear. And therefore, when they were around me, 80% did not swear, or when they did, they quickly apologized and changed their language. <laughs> there was a small minority of people who just took it upon themselves to try and aggravate me, and therefore they swore more in those particular situations. But you see, this is where Ruth was saying that there's sometimes the positive and the negative, because what happens is that when you're in an environment in amongst people that are effective in your world, then things should be happening around you. And sometimes that can be initially negative, but negative can actually be positive. Because to have a reaction sometimes for me is better than have non-reaction. Somebody who is very passive and says absolutely nothing, you don't really know what's going on. But when somebody's negative, you know that, oh, something's going on. Come on. It's not that suddenly you're going into battle because our battle is not against the person that is in front of us at that moment. Our battle is against whatever is happening in the spiritual world and that's what we need to come and speak and pray into so that we can actually begin to hear what God is saying about that person's situation or circumstance. Again, this is about relationship. You could become something through relationship. Sorry, you, you become th something through relationship. Becoming has a voice. Do you get that? I'll read that again. You become something through relationship. And becoming has a voice. When, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this it, it's not something that is a distant relationship God wants you to be close to him God wants you to have a constant chat to him he, he in, in scripture it talks about praying constantly praying for me is a, just about communication with my father and God wants me to chatter to him all the time. He does. He wants me to be speaking constantly. Lord, isn't this great? Isn't this fantastic? What do you want to do about that? You know, oh, uh, you know, you see somebody in, in the street doors around here. God just really bless them. If you, you know, sometimes I don't have carry too much cash on me. And so, therefore, I can't give finance to them. And so, therefore, it's just like, okay, Lord, what do I have? Sometimes that's only a prayer. Sometimes it is a kind word to somebody. But that relationship, I become something through that relationship because I become like my father. I become like Jesus. And in that becoming like the person that I'm worshiping, it looks like something. It's tangible. It's reflected in something that I might say. It may be my face with a smile. It's incredible what a smile can do. Uh, you know, sometimes on trains, people will think you're weird, even if you're smiling at them these days. Because they're just so, and you smile at them, and they think, are you chatting them up? Are you looking at them in a, a, a wrong way or whatever? 
And, and I know you've got to be careful this day, but actually a smile on your face can make a, such a huge difference to the people around you. When I was with Georgie and Alan, we were just talking about the, 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 the hospitals and, and things like that, and the atmosphere in the hospitals can be quite sometimes quite negative. And Georgie was just saying that actually his life in that place can bring transformation with a positive mindset. Why? Because what is happening in Georgi's life, he's becoming something through the relationship that he has with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that becoming, that relationship with God has a voice in the society and in the venues that God places him in the hospitals, in the environment. See, it's real. It's tangible. This is not just something far out, but this is living out of a radical relationship with Jesus Christ and living that radical in the every day of our lives in real and practical ways. You cannot really give what you haven't become is another statement I've heard recently. You cannot really give what you haven't become. See, this is about, again, that living dynamic relationship that God wants us to have. It's not something that is a distant relationship. And God doesn't want us to give out of anything in ourselves. God wants to give us all of this love. He wants to give us the kindness. He wants to give us the, that generous spirit. And we've said before that there are people out there that don't know Jesus or would not call themselves having a living, dynamic relationship with God, but they, they, they have kindness. They, they do uh, and are generous people. There are, there are people who are very merciful and kind out there. But what we have is a relationship with Jesus Christ, and out of that relationship with Jesus Christ... That life that he gives and that agape love, that, that power and that dynamic of life can then be so powerful in our everyday life. Why? Because we're becoming like him. We become like the person that we are worshipping. It's real. It's tangible. You can touch it. You can reach out. And it says, absolutely, I can be like that. And all of these other characteristics, integrity, sensitivity, and that's for you guys, men. I believe men, you need to be sensitive too. Joyful, devoted, some people who need to be devoted, confident, humble, generous, hardworking. That was another one I put down, hardworking. I believe that as a... As a believers, we should be the hardest worker, not, not taken for granted. Now, please hear me. I don't believe that Christians should be walked all over. I don't believe that's what God has asked us to do. God's asked us to serve. And God has asked us to serve in a, the best way possible. And sometimes God's asked us to go to the extra mile. But we're hard workers. We're not the people who sort of say, oh, don't ask them. They're the lazy ones. Oh, they won't say yes to that. Because you have a reputation of 
going one minute to five, coming in one minute after nine, going one minute before five on a nine to five. We should be people who everyone around us, our bosses, or if you're a boss, then everybody knows that you have a great reputation of work. Why? Because that reflects something of the Father heart in what we're saying and doing. I think it's, it's amazing that God has invited us into a relationship with Him. That as we become closer and closer to Him, we become something that reflects who He is in our everyday life. And I personally believe that out of that relationship, God does want to demonstrate His power. I believe God wants to use each and every one of you. That when you see somebody maybe with a headache or, or you know, just a sore leg or sore arm, then actually, I believe my God can heal you. Can I pray for you? See, we're not ashamed of who he is. We're not ashamed of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And believe that the power of God will be working through us. Why? Because we are becoming like him in every way. And if we're becoming like him, then that needs to be demonstrated in our lives, in our actions, in our words, but also releasing the power of God in every single situation, every circumstance. If we could all please stand. Just want you to take a moment you to take a moment and just think of all those words that are used just in your own personal situation and only you can answer this to do people in your neighborhood to people in your workplace your college university Do they know that you believe in Jesus Christ? And again, it's not just about words, it's about our lifestyle. And some of us may be very um, outward personalities. We find it easy to talk to, to people and Therefore, it's so, so easy just to talk about Jesus everywhere we go. Other people are a little bit quieter. But that doesn't mean that you can't be a witness. And your life is a witness. Your lifestyle is a witness. The statements that you make are a witness. What you talk about is a witness. And it's just very quickly, if you know that there's certain aspects of your life that, mm, okay, that's a little bit gray there. It's not, it's not clear. Just very quickly, God, I, I just ask you that you will just come into that area of my life. And Father, I, I, I want not to be ashamed of you in this area. I, I don't want to be a false witness for you in any area of my life. And 
Lord, I just ask you in this situation, Father, I just ask you that you will just help, Father, to bring that transformation in my life that will bring a true witness into my life and to my situation. That can be done very quickly. And then just in your world, you, you know the people who you're influencing. You know where God's sending you. Just ask him. Lord, I just want to reflect you. And this is obviously if this is your prayer. Don't pray anything false. Don't pray anything that's not real. But if this is a reality and you really want this in your life, Father, I just ask you that you will just enable me to become so much more like you in every area of my life. so that I can become a true reflection of the family that I belong to. Again, use your own words. Sometimes some of us are around Christians a lot of the day, but there's other people in our world we begin need to begin to take note of and for me personally Lord I just want to be a a person who truly reflects you in every area that you release me into every person that I come and meet whether it's a bank teller or a shopkeeper a bus driver a commuter Father, Lord, I just ask you that there will be a reflection of you in my life. Because, Father, I thank you that becoming a child of you looks like something. It has a voice. So again, just use your own words. anybody is needing prayer at, at the end of this time together please come forward at the end 